0: Super Talk Mississippi media production.
1: Coleman Taylor Transmission, servicing Central Mississippi for over 60 years. Their ASE certified technicians offer dependable transmission services, a warranty, and record services. Call Coleman Taylor today for all your transmission needs. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast, here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's
0: Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. But I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, sorry, Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca.
1: Good afternoon, Super Top Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. Now, fair warning, you're going to need to buckle up for today because it's going to be a tough topic, but it has the opportunity to do a lot of good things. I truly believe that. Today, we'll be highlighting our teens' mental health health and why you shouldn't be turning a blind eye. And we're starting off with Ms. Paige Roberts. She is Executive Director of the Jackson County Chamber, but she's also deep into the community as a leader and advocate for mental health, especially when we are talking about our
2: teens and young adults. So, welcome Paige. Uh, thank you thank you Rebecca it's so nice to be here with you and all of the listeners
1: we also have Miss Emma Benoit who is a a survivor along with us but Paige you're the one who met Emma so I wanted you to sort of set the stage as being here in Mississippi what you see out there in terms of teens health and what prompted you to sort of get Emma you know uh, around around the state sharing her story
2: sure Um, we had an issue, uh, as all communities really are across the country, where we've been noticing um, mental health challenges and really uh, alarming numbers around mental health, especially with our young people, teenagers uh, and uh, young adults. And we had some suicides, sadly, here in Jackson County in the past 18 months. Two eighth graders and an 11th grader. And we decided to partner with Singing River Health System in trying to find, um, not really solutions because that's probably too strong of a term, but, but some ways that might be able to help with, um, this topic and with this challenge in our community. Someone at the Singing River Health Team had heard of Emma Benoit and her story uh, in Louisiana where she had tried to kill herself and blessedly was not successful, and how she has dedicated her life to um, awareness and and education about uh, the feelings that lead to a desperate act like that and and what are some uh, ways that we can help each other and help ourselves have better mental health. So, Senior River Health System hosted an event this past summer where I facilitated, and that is where I first Came to know Emma. And since then, our workforce and uh, education committee at the chamber has um, also hosted her and uh, had a group called the Hope Squad, which Emma will talk about in a little bit, I'm sure. But we had, we are working on having them become a part of our community through our school system. We're just thrilled. That all of our stakeholders throughout Jackson County and even along the Gulf Coast are coming together around a topic that affects everyone um, everywhere. And that, is, of course, for the Chamber of Commerce includes our businesses because the employees are the families of these young people who are suffering.
1: Well, anytime you hear of someone losing their life to suicide page, it hits tough. But when it's an eighth grader or someone still in high school or even a young college adult, it stings a little harder because we feel like as a community, as parents, as caregivers, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles and all the things that, you know, we should we should see the red flags more, we should be taking care, or we should be raising them in a or nurturing them in a culture where they don't feel like that. You know, those are adult problems right you should you should wait to have the weight of that kind of world when you get a little bit older you shouldn't have to be wrestling with that when you're in junior high or sort of high school but the truth is that they are so Emma Benoit we're so grateful that you're with us today and have the courage to share your story I know you know you probably have said it so many times now but for for me getting to know it and as a mom it's already been super impactful because just hearing Paige talk about here in mississippi the last few in the last little bit like it's hard for me not to to get emotional right so for you to be out there and raising awareness i just want to say first you know thank you so much but you know you hear that and you as someone who has experienced it you know that they are suffering our kids are going through something uh right now you you lived it correct yes yes ma'am so what was this so how do you start with your story cuz I'll admit Emma it's a tough one to sort of walk through or to sort of open up and share. So how do you go about helping others connect with with your story? So I had
3: the privilege of creating a documentary film called My Ascension and it really chronicles the journey after my suicide attempt as well as it highlights several other journeys of other young people in communities all similar who struggle with their mental health. And really the main topic of the documentary is not only highlighting the real reality of suicide, but really the, the, not like Paige said, solution is a bit of a, you know, overarching term, but really just the ways that communities can come together to really address this issue. And so what the film does is it really just candidly highlights my journey, my struggles as a youth. I began struggling with anxiety and depression as early as elementary school and it just bled into middle and high school and the real issue that i'm seeing and that i'm experiencing and that really was my perspective as a youth is that there is such a stigma there is such a shame around expressing these emotions and these experiences that our youth are just having in every day and it's unfortunate that our reality is just kind of evolving and we are living in the future right so naturally challenges are going to be different than they were you know when our parents were growing up and our grandparents so it's really all about just alerting the communities of these newer issues and ways to prevent these issues and ways to help these issues in regards to our youth who are struggling with their mental health and so that's kind of the way that I share my story. I do share it candidly, openly in, you know, settings where I'm just chatting with youth and chatting with adults. But I do utilize the documentary film as kind of a vehicle to really get this message mainly into the schools, because that's where, you know, many students are, many youth are in schools. So it's been, it's truly been humbling. And um, I can, I can only speak good things about the journey for me. Um, in coming out of a suicide attempt and getting to use my pain and turning it into some sort of purpose to help others.
1: One of the young girls that's in one of the videos on your website, Emma, said something that I was like, "Oh gosh!" You know, again speaking from it from like a, a parent's perspective. Yes, I went through high school, but I can completely recognize that maybe high school looks a little different for my girls than it did for for me way back when. Although I know some some pressures are the same, but some things are just totally different. We have to have at least enough courage to admit that as 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 caregivers and parents and grandparents now. And one mm-hmm. thing was the young girl said that. When you when teens speak up, they're often met with you're being dramatic, you're overreacting, <laughs> just buckle up buttercup or suck it up buttercup or however she sort of termed it. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, gosh, because for many parents of like my my generation, I, I'm 40. So and then older, that's how we were raised. I mean, to, to some extent. And so, you know, it, it's to me, I took that as as one step for parents to not. I guess, push under the rug, some of those red flags, or at least, mm-hmm. you know, so how do you help a parent sort of understand drama, real drama, being dramatic? Because, I mean, again, you're 14, 15, 16, you, you can be. Mm-hmm. And then also mm-hmm. legit, like, red flags.
3: Yeah, so I think it all kind of stems from our perception, right? So our youth these days are Bombarded with social pressures. Social media is a huge factor in that aspect of social pressures and feeling the need to keep up with your peers. And so I think it's always about reminding yourself of that perspective and that, that new thing in society of social media and just the generalized pressures that are being applied to our youth. I mean, if you think about the schooling and and how it works. I mean, kids now are being pressured to graduate high school, you know, with the associates during college. So it's it's all about really understanding the new perspectives that are our reality. And then furthermore, I think it's all about just understanding that when our youth are going through any kind of crisis, mentally or emotionally, it is very real for them. And we have to also remind ourselves that they are still youth. Their brains are underdeveloped. They need the help. They need the guidance from mom, from dad, from grandma to help them emotionally regulate. Because what's happening is our youth are falling into situations where they're not resilient. They're, they they feel like they could just get. They feel like they have to just give up. They feel like there's no hope. And what that's coming from is from generations of being told, "Suck it up. It only gets worse as you get older." And so we really just have to get around those old patterns of. Understanding how to teach resilience to our youth and start looking into more emotional regulation, teaching our youth by example, showing them, hey, when this happens, here's how we respond, here's how we cope in a healthy, positive way. That's only going to help your emotional and mental development. This is good
1: stuff, Emma. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. We're coming back with Emma Benoit coming up next. don't forget you can watch us we are on your computer mobile device just head on over to super talk tv again we are covering a tough topic today but i think it's truly a good thing to highlight our team's mental health and why we shouldn't be turning a blind eye we've got lots of questions at least as a parent i'm I'm listening to your story emma benoit as just a mom with an open heart who's just desperate to maybe do things differently not only for my girls but then also for my my kids friends right and for the community that i i love we also have patreon Roberts who is with Jackson County Chamber who reminded us that you know your community has been shook to the core here in the last year or so when it comes to teens taking their their own life and we want to stop that even if we can slow it down or bring a more awareness to it I just think that that's a really good thing Emma you were sharing before the break talking about one thing we could do better at is helping our young our youth and our young adults to better regulate their sort of emotions how do you help people like put that next into action or send resources to that when they are going through, because I got a tween, she's 11. So she's headed into that, you know, next phase. And I'm like, give me all the tools, Emma. Go ahead and tell me all the, <laughs> the, the the emotion regulations needed at the Turner house.
3: Yeah. So actually there is a ton of resources on Instagram. I follow several accounts that are very helpful in terms of teaching parents well, healthy, communication techniques and tools so it's i don't have any off the top of my head right now but if you are searching just type in the hashtag um teen emotional regulation or teen coping skills or parenting resilience or anything like that and i promise you you're going to be flooded with accounts of people that post content that work with teens day in and day out that know the proper tips and techniques to help parents Navigate some more difficult conversations with their teenagers and I think ultimately it just stems from being able to recognize where your teen is at emotionally. So if your kid is someone who generally struggles with social settings, just being aware that hey, if they have something come on, coming up to just check in more and just really open up that door for that dialogue because too many times teens feel that they are burdening their parents, when in reality their parents just aren't aware of the things that the teens want to talk about. So I think it's all about just putting those conversations on the table before your teen even gets to that point of comfortability to really make that a comfortable environment for them to open up.
1: One thing I also heard, Emma, while looking at your website, which I think is done beautifully and it has great videos and resources for, for parents and caregivers, was one, Um, I think it was a a doctor or someone mentioning that we have this stigma around it, or at least parents and caregivers. We don't want to talk about suicide because we feel like we're going to open the door for them to do it, right? Like, you know, it's kind of like with sex and drugs and everything else. But they Mm -hmm. said that they're already texting their friends or have group chats or searching social media saying, you know, I'm about to break. I can't, you know, I can't handle it anymore. It's the parents who have their, you know, they're sort of their heads in the sand. So what do you say to parents who are just terrified of even having, having the conversation, to, to to get over those fears and to have the conversation?
3: I would say, look, and it. I totally understand that fear and that reservation. I really do because I come from a, a home with a very loving, devoted mother and father, and I totally understood their fears and reservations behind having those more difficult conversations. But what I will say is avoiding uncomfortable conversations to, in other words, keep the peace, isn't really the goal of a relationship. Love is. And when we love someone, we have to have the hard conversations in service of that love. And so I think it's all about leading with love and understanding that, hey, look, my child is my child, but they're also a a developing adult. They're also a developing human being. So we've got to step out of those uncomfortable situations, as uncomfortable as they are, and sort of become comfortable in them.
1: You know, I'm sitting here thinking, Emma, I mean, the uncomfortable situations that most parents think they're going to find themselves in is obviously, you know, when kids start going off, you don't want adults, you know, touching places and you have those like tough conversations with your kids because you want them to know that they can come to you. Obviously, it's the, you know, the sex talk and the drugs talk. But now it just feels like you need to just go ahead, whether there's warning signs or not, just start talking about mental health and saying, hey, you know, if you ever contemplate hurting yourself, come to me, like, go ahead and open that door Open that space, so that at least if they they know that mom and dad have thought have know the word, and then they you know they recognize that I may be going through some things. I mean, would that be one way of just sort of creating the the corridor for them to to come to you? And I know not all kids will, but at least you've broken the ice. Absolutely, one hundred
3: percent. Because what you know what, what it really is for kids is they want to make sure that whatever they're coming to you with you are a safe place to to land. So I think it's so important to, as a parent, go to your kids, approach them and say, hey, look, I know that life is challenging for a teenager. I can only imagine how challenging it is for you nowadays. But, I want you to know that through thick and thin, whatever it is you're going through, you can come to me. I'm a safe place to land. I won't I won't make rash choices in, in disciplining you. If you anger or upset me with something that you're feeling, your feelings are valid and I'm here for them, I want to be the one that you come to when you're having a really hard time. So just letting them know that you are the safe place for them and also reminding them that it's okay not to be okay. Like, you want to hear about the hard de- things in their day. You don't always want to hear the highlights and the good things that they have going on. You want to be a part of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think letting your youth know that can only give you better opportunity to connect and build that relationship that most teenagers just want with their parents. And I think it's all about understanding that, yes, you have to be a parent, but I think being a parent is is one of the most challenging things in the world, I can only imagine. But I think leading with kindness and firmness is is the best solution.
1: Emma, you've been super candid about surviving your suicide attempt back in 2017. And I was, and through again the videos, I keep going back to that, but, uh, it's such a good resource for, for people who may be more interested in your story. Is you and other, other youth in your videos talk about they don't feel like they have a place or they don't feel like they have a purpose. And I thought, gosh, I mean, at, I don't know if I was thinking about that at 13. I mean, uh, you know, (laughs) I, I mean, those are things I struggle with, you know, after college or, you know, in my professional career in terms of, of having a purpose, but sort of help us understand from your perspective as a youth there as a senior in high school, what does that mean like in terms of a purpose or how, to, or how to place place in life?
3: So really, I think it's more or less not a purpose, but more of a direction. I think our youth today are really bombarded with, because of the internet and the access of information that is just so tangible to kids nowadays by the fingertips, I think they are being exposed to a lot more drama and, troubles in the world. I think our youth are now more well aware of what's going on in the world, actually. So I think it kind of is a catch-22 in the sense of, you know, it's good that they have the access to the information, but at the same time, it's kind of damaging because what it's doing is putting a pressure on them to feel that they have to succeed at such a young age. I think it's more or less, like I said, about a sense of direction. You know, when I was graduating high school, I felt extreme hopelessness around the simple fact that I didn't know what I wanted to major in in college. So it really stems down to that very trivial of an issue. But like I said, for a youth, it's everything. It's, it is the end of their world. So I think it is really just understanding and recognizing that when our youth are expressing these kinds of challenges and concerns, it's all about reminding them that even some adults don't know what their purpose is. It's okay to not know. That is a, that is a part of the journey of life, is going through and trying things and failing and learning from those failures. I think it's all about really equipping your youth with the knowledge and understanding that sometimes it's okay to feel lost. Sometimes it's okay to not have a direction because you're going to go through moments in life where you don't know what you're going to do and that's okay. That's the inevitable reality of life. So I think it's just understanding all of those factors when you're addressing the struggles that youth are having in terms of feeling lack of purpose and lack of direction. I think it's really just nurturing the things that make them feel confident and good about themselves and, and, and encouraging them to lean into those things when they express these concerns
1: I can't imagine what it was like for you and your family Emma as you went through your journey obviously 2017 2018 even to now has all looked different but how have you been able to sort of find the bright light or the purpose in in literally your darkest moments
3: so for me it's been a matter of shifting my perspective entirely you know, when I was struggling, I was looking through a straw and it was just that black and white tunnel vision kind of lens on the world and lens on on my life's challenges and, and my potential and my relationships. But now I just kind of widen that perspective. And now I just kind of try when I'm struggling to always revert back to big picture things. So I tell myself, is this going to matter in five minutes or is it going to matter in five years? And I just kind of weigh out my challenges and life struggles because naturally we are human beings and emotions are inevitable. So when we're faced with challenges, emotions will arise, but it's all about calming the emotions in that storm and always reminding yourself to be per- consistent in gratitude because where there is gratitude, you really can fight through a lot of the struggles that you're facing. So I think it's just a matter of constantly reminding myself that of that And I tell everyone, I am not a perfect human being. I'm still very much living life, and life is challenging. So mental health for me is a daily effort that I have to apply.
1: Well, I know you're also helping others with your Hope Squad. So Emma Benoit, stick with us, as well as Paige Roberts. We'll round back to you coming up next here on Good Things. Good things. Don't forget, we are streaming live over at SuperTalk.fm. We're also streaming from the SuperTalk Mississippi app. And of course, you can always find us too on your local SuperTalk Mississippi radio station. If you're just tuning in with us, it's been a whirlwind of a day. We're getting to know Miss Emma Benoit. She survived a suicide attempt in uh, 2017, excuse me, the summer before her senior year. And yeah, that's a tough topic, but man, she has completely used her life um, as a platform and her story as part of a her purpose and mission to spread the awareness about teen mental health. We also have Paige Roberts, who is with Jackson County Chamber, who's helping, too, to sort of embrace this um, thing that's just in all of our communities, our teens struggling with their mental health. And how can we do better? How can we show up for our kids in a positive way? And man, I just think that's a really good thing. So Emma, I want to go to these Hope Squads. I want to end on a really happy note here on Good Things today, although I think our conversation has been full of of good tips and and things for parents and caregivers to think about. But tell me about these Hope Squads. What are they doing and how are they being utilized? So Hope
3: Squad is a school-based, peer-to-peer-based mental health program that is in schools. And really it's amazing because they have programs starting from elementary all the way through college. So what it does is it equips the students and the staff with the right tools and techniques to really navigate some of these challenges. And it's really interesting because it is peer-led. So once a school implements the Hope Squad in their school, uh, the students nominate their peers to be their Hope Squad members. And so it really is kind of a cool way to implement a uh, a mental health program because it's really alerting the school that if a student is struggling, he can go see a Hope Squad student and just have that peer-to-peer connection and conversation because what we know, like it's mentioned in the trailer, students are texting their friends these challenges. Students are going to one another with their struggles. So it's all about educating and equipping not only the students, but the staff as well, on the proper ways to respond to some of these issues. So it really is an amazing program that I fully support, and I have seen grow throughout not only my state, but throughout the country as well. And I think it is an amazing program for every school listening, every person that has connections with the school or decision-makers at a school to really look into because it really is evidence-based and it works.
1: Paige, you mentioned the Hope Squad earlier uh, on good things. Is this something that Jackson County is embracing or hoping to maybe bring into some of our schools?
2: Yes, indeed. Um, Thanks to what Emma had shared with us, we were able to reach out to the regional representative who is in the Florida Panhandle, and she came to speak to our Education and Workforce Development Committee, which um, has our four school district superintendents sitting on that committee. They, just last week, went to Niceville, Florida, to see Hope Squad in action, and they all came back very excited uh, about the possibility of um, incorporating it into our schools. They're looking at, some of them are looking at just the high school, some the middle school, the middle school, and the high school. As Emma said, it it can be a variety of ages. Um, And, of course, there's some funding needed, and that is something... Our next meeting will be around what exactly do the superintendents want and how much is it and, and what partners do we have in the community that can help meet that need. So I suspect before the end of 2024, we will have Hope Squad in um, each of our four school districts across Jackson County.
1: Paige, what are other ways that Jackson County and I know it's it's one county, it's in every county, right? Like every every 82 counties here in Mississippi have teens struggling with mental health. So not just a single you guys uh, sort of out. But what other maybe I guess community efforts or programs have you guys looked into to sort of address or at least start the conversation around making sure, you know, another teen doesn't take their life by suicide there in your community?
2: Sure. Well, as, as I mentioned, having Emma come, we, we've had her come, um, to speak to some health science students, um, at, from high schools across the coast, but we're also looking to have her return to some of our schools. It is simply amazing how the kids respond to her and how it does give an opportunity to open up both on the young person side and for the adults to, to better um, handle listening and being able to respond appropriately. So we are doing that, and then we are also, each school has been looking at some ways um, creating task forces and different committees. I've been very proud of the way our superintendents, as well as our other community partners, have embraced this, uh, topic in in a very vulnerable way as a community. Emma mentions being vulnerable as individuals and being able to open up when we're having a bad day just as much as when we're having a good day, which a lot of people are not comfortable with. But our community has been opening up to this. And like you mentioned, Rebecca, it's almost an oxymoron to be talking about teen suicide on a show called Good Things, but I consider this one of the best things we've done in 2023, and that it is helping build a stronger community for us, not just in Jackson County, but also we have some state legislators down here in our delegation who are looking at what we're doing. It's just so important to be honest. About what's going on and, uh, and the parents of the three young people have all come forward with so much bravery and courage to openly discuss on the local media stations and, and through social media platforms what happened in their families so that it might never happen to another family
1: you know and and suicide prevention is one of those things that you you don't have a tally mark on the wall that says you know one two three four five lives saved right like so it's kind of hard to know if you're if you're if you're doing good and because those are private conversations that happen within the home but Emma I say that anytime we can go a year or two years and we lessen those numbers and more kids are talking and hope squads are growing and you just feel like less um, stigma is around just the conversation itself, that's a huge predictor that we're doing some good. Would you agree?
3: Absolutely, 100%. I think it really does stem from that stigma in society. I think, like you said, we'll never know how many lives we're impacting and saving, but we will know and be able to see the very tangible changes in our communities and in our homes. So I think it's all about really equipping and evolving as a society as we, uh, as we grow in better understanding of how to really address conversations around mental health and even suicide. So it, from my perspective, the lens that I have on it um, is, is a great one. I think we have a lot of work to do, but I think we are making progress in terms of education and destigmatization of this conversation.
1: So, Emma, I have a feeling that maybe other school districts, organizations, or whatever listening to good things, they're not going to steal you from Jackson County. They just may want to share you a little bit or particularly better understand maybe the Hope Squads or some of the other things that you're up to or your documentary. Where are the best places we can go to connect with you, see the documentary, get whatever information you have out there and connect?
3: Yes, so absolutely. It is very simple. The website that has all of the contacts and connections for me and the film is called myascension.us. And on myascension you can view ways to watch the documentary. It is currently streaming on PBS. So there are uh, there are options on the website to view the film. Um, and then getting in contact with me is also listed on the on the website, myascension.us. My email address is Emma at myascension.us. So it is very simple to contact with me. We are also on social media. Um, all socials are my ascension on social media.
1: And Paige, if someone wants to connect with you too, and see what you are, you guys are doing down there from a community level, um, how do they get in touch with with you? Or you may not want them to. Who should they get in touch with?
2: <laughs> sure, no, absolutely, reach out to me here at the Jackson County uh, Chamber of Commerce. It's JC Chamber. Dot .com and uh we love to share best practices of what's going on here because you're right Rebecca this is not a problem unique to Jackson County or really even uh just Mississippi this is this is a nationwide crisis we're experiencing but we we are uh, approaching it and really attacking it with with great hope and enthusiasm um because of people like emma and um and the hope squad
1: well i appreciate uh both of your time today emma i know i started with thank you again for your courage uh to get out and just share your story and to just answer questions openly and honestly from just a mom who cares and and wants to help the kids in her community as well so i appreciate you both um but stick with us we got more for you coming up next Good things. Don't forget you can find us on your computer, or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. You got Middays with Jar Gibbert. He is going to be on the move tomorrow at Mississippi Blood Services off of Lake and Boulevard in Flowood. You can help Mississippi Blood Services celebrate the season of giving. Give blood now through December the 16th to receive a holiday t shirt sponsored by Priority One Bank. The best gift this holiday can't be found under a tree, so donate today. And then on Wednesday, you got Sports Talk Mississippi which is coming up next here after good things. They're going to be live at stones jewelry in Tupelo. So stones jewelry will have magical Christmas savings throughout the entire store. Stones will celebrate sanctuary hospice. That's definitely a good thing. So make a donation to sanctuary hospice and you'll be registered to win prizes each hour. All right. Jewelry. That's always fits. Nice. Will, if you haven't gotten your wife, anything yet for Christmas, you know, it's only 14 days. Are you completely through, um, shopping or haven't started where are you on your your christmas shopping uh i guess list
4: haven't bought the first thing
1: for anybody
4: haven't even finished putting up the decorations yet
1: have you at least contemplated what it is haven't even thought about it hadn't even thought about it so do you so what is your plan
4: i don't really have one
1: That's your plan every year? As you
4: can tell, I, I kind of fly by the seat so, of my pants.
1: So can you count on one hand or two the number of gifts you have to buy, people you have to buy for?
4: Oh, uh, one hand. So
1: one hand. People. So you don't have that many people. Okay. Because there's some that's listening that have like, it feels like fingers and toes of people that they have to start to buy for. So if you were to wait, say now or later to get started, that is a little more of a headache. Yeah. But if you've only got your main nuclear family, and then... Your spouse—it's a little easier to to wait that way. I appreciate families, though. Who, I mean, once everybody starts procreating, it just really gets you know out of hand with the whole gift buying things. And so, a lot of families do shift to drawing names. Are you in a group that has to draw names for for gifts?
4: Yeah, with my uh, my family, yeah, they they do the draw the name deal where one person will draw this person's name and they have to buy something for them. Uh, I do have some relatives that go all out that will buy gifts for everybody. I don't see how they do it. Uh, there's a lot of gifts to be Well, if given. your
1: love language is is yeah. gifts, Thank- then...
4: Thankfully, though, I, I, I have those people in my life who don't mind a gift card. So It's just right. Yeah. That's just... That's perfectly... In fact, they'd probably rather have the gift card because I'm the person who will screw up and buy the wrong thing.
1: So, I we early on in our marriage, we've been married for six this will be our 17th or 18th Christmas together, but 16th married. Are he's the oldest of four, and so his sisters are significantly younger. So, we were the only ones who had like jobs and doing like in life yeah. when we first got married and I realized real quickly that You know, it was my mother-in-law that was having to, like, reciprocate, like, the whole thing. So we just said then, hey, you know what? Let's just focus on your mom and dad. We're not going to buy you anything so yes. you don't buy us anything and it was like when we gave permission being the one you know uh-huh. then they were like oh good <laughs> and we've kept that for the last sort of 16 the, the years. Pact.
4: You make a pact with each other. Saying, it's like
1: love you we'll go in we'll celebrate mom but and then when they all started having kids we kind of kept with small whatever for for the kiddos but we just kind of nixed that really early and I just have really appre- like I think we've all really appreciated like having one less person you know their feelings aren't going to get like they're not looking for it under the tree yeah
4: that's the worst where they're looking for it and
1: you know what's the worst is when a sister like a, a, a sibling shows up with somebody Or somebody shows up that wasn't in the tally. because So Thanksgiving, you don't have these issues. Didn't get in the head count. There's always food at Thanksgiving. And even if you are a plus one that they didn't know was going to be plused, you don't come in with expectations of getting gifts, I don't think. But here in the South, it is like panic times 10 for the host to not have you... because And then, even though you know, it is awkward to sit around and watch everybody opening. Honey, do you have
4: anything that still has a price tag on it we (laughs) can put in a bag? Is there
1: a candle or somewhere? Do we have any, like, bath bombs or lotion that we can just shove in? (laughs) And inevitably, you have like a little holiday gift bag and you wind up with, like, um, the little snacks, like, whether it's like the Chex Mix or the Millionaires or something, and it's just like... Here's a peace offering for seeing for not, <laughs> to not RSVPing, but thank you for I'm sorry this coming. box of
4: goldfish is already opened, but that's uh, <laughs> all oh, we had.
1: It does. I, hey, I know some of you wonderful Southern hostess, you've got gifts in closets just for that. And got the
4: bags ready for them. And just the tissue for paper that. that they were there.
1: generic. Oh, look. You sh- I knew you were coming. You're too happy. Don't come to my house and expect that there is no such closet at the Turner at the Turner house. Um, but stick with us; you got more coming up next. You got the Boys with Sports Talk Mississippi from three to six. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at two. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. for you.
4: things for you.